0: You know, God can't help you unless you step into the light Mm. and people can't help you unless you step into the light. And so, yeah, it would have been easier for me to just close it all down and not let anybody in. But fortunately, God gave me the grace to take a step.
1: What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Trevor Talks. I'm your host, Trevor Tyson, and I'm super pumped for today's episode as usual, I just want to thank our amazing partners at Life Audio for continuing to make this show happen and their amazing team over there. I'm just beyond thrilled to have them on board with us, so thank you to Life Audio Today's guest is one that I honestly never thought I'd have a conversation with in this capacity, so I'm super pumped about it. He's an author as well as the founder of Passion Movement, pastor of Passion City Church, host of Passion and Purpose podcast, and a true leader of the faith. He has a new book out now, which is called Winning the War on Worry, and I'm excited to have him with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Mr. Louis. Giglio. Louie, welcome to the show. (laughs) What a great intro. Thank you so much, Trevor. It's an honor to be on with you today. Man, I am beyond thrilled for this, as I've said like twice now, but this is just a full circle moment. As I told you before, I've been attending Passion for over 10 years and uh, well, the church, not the conference. 10 years ago, I wasn't eligible to be there, but you know what I'm saying. So it's just awesome to sit down and have a conversation with you. Same for me. Thank you so much. Of course. And as I said in the intro, you wear a lot of titles, founder of Passion Movement, pastor of Passion City Church. It's been quite an amazing journey for you this far. And for people that may not know who you are, could you give us the elevator pitch and maybe a little detail into your story and becoming the man you are today? Yeah, the
0: elevator pitch. Wow. Um You know, I was on a track to be a pastor, preacher, called by God when I was in college, freshman year. I knew God's call in my life was to proclaim the gospel to my generation. But it sort of clarified a little bit after I finished grad school and seminary. Um, I ended up going to another grad program at a university in Texas. And when I arrived there, God put it on my wife and I's heart to start a Bible study on that campus. And that Bible study grew on a campus of 11,000 students to about 1,500 every Monday night. And it was catalytic for a decade as we saw God move on that campus. But, you know, the big turn for me was my dad became disabled in the process of the 10 years we were there. And eventually we let um, God let us go back to Atlanta to help my mom take care of my dad. And as we made that transition out of ministry and into Atlanta, my dad passed away uh, rather suddenly of a heart attack unrelated to his disability. And we were pretty confused, and it's a real cloudy season, but God planted a seed in the craziness of that season that became Passion Conference. And for 25 years, we've been hosting gatherings for 18 to 25-year-olds, college students, university students around the world, seeing millions of college students come together to to think about what it means to live for the glory of God. And 12 years ago, out of that movement, we planted a local church here in Atlanta. Now we have churches in Atlanta and in D.C., um, Passion City Church. And so I'm a pastor of a local congregation, fellowship, whatever you want to call it, tribe, house, that has that same DNA of the passion movement, living for the glory of God. And so that's the journey. It's been pretty exciting, and I have no idea where it's going from here, but I'm down for it.
1: We've heard quite a few um, people that have come on the show talk about just getting to know you, getting to work with you, being Crowder, Christian Stanfield, Chris Tomlin, all these people that you and Shelly have directly influenced to become the people they are today. And it has to be exciting to see these younger generations be encouraged by the words that God's laid on your heart and with that being said, I really want to introduce something to our audience that they may not know about you. So what are some things that you enjoy on a daily basis that people may not know about you?
0: Um, I, you know, it's kind of funny. I was doing an interview last year and someone said, what do you do for fun? And I thought, man, that is a really interesting question because I really like what I do. Mm-hmm. I come to work for fun. And they're like, yeah. yeah, no, but w- when you're not working, what do you do for fun? And I was like, well, I like preaching. That's fun. I like visionary. That's fun. I like writing. That's fun. I like leading a team. I like solving problems. I like navigating difficult circumstances. So I really have a good time at work. Um but I like to ride my bike. I have a, a, a road cycle, bicycle that I like to get on, and about two hours into a good ride, my mind sort of dissolves into nothing, and I'm no longer thinking about anything because I have to. And that's the best place in life for me because all these crazy ideas kind of all of a sudden come into my mind, and I figure out a bunch of stuff. So I love that. I love to travel, Shelley, and I love big cities. Uh, obviously, we have a dog named London, so that's our favorite city, and we we like to get lost in big cities, and so that's one of the our favorite things to do as well.
1: I love that, and with you being so active physically, involved in the church, being a visionary, writing books. What are some of the things that you've learned along your journey to put into perspective for winning the war on worry? Don't give the enemy a seat at your table and all these resources that you're providing. You're bridging a gap between the faith based space and the church and mental health, which I greatly appreciate. But I guess just to get into the nuts and bolts of it. How did this come about where you're like, I have to talk about this? Was there a certain season that you went through where you experienced depression, anxiety, and your mental health firsthand, and how did you overcome that?
0: Well, that's exactly what happened Uh, in the season where we planted Passion City Church. We were still just a little collection of a few dozen people meeting in a living room or a den or a basement talking about what could be for Passion City. And Trevor, in that season, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I was dying and I fell into a hole of depression that I honestly did not know existed. And that's why I'm glad that you're talking about mental health. And it's why I feel compelled to talk about it because I know there are a lot of people like me in that moment. I knew people were depressed. I knew people were struggling with mental health. I knew there was, you know, all kinds of challenges, but I didn't really know it. It's like when I remember when my dad passed away, it crushed me like it crushed me. I couldn't hardly breathe for a week. And I found myself crying for a year. And it was the most painful thing I've ever felt in my life. And I went back to every friend that I knew who had lost their dad up to that point in my life, and I said, I am so sorry. I had no idea what what you were going through when your dad died, but I do now, and I just wanted to come back and tell you I'm sorry I didn't know how to be a better friend to you in that moment. And in the same way, I did not know what depression looked like and how strangling it was and how dark that hole was until I was in it. And by the grace of God, he brought me through it. I talk a lot about how that happened and we can talk about that. But I think the bigger story of it is that now I know there is a hole called depression and you can't put a bandaid on it. You can't quote a simple scripture at it. You, you, you can't just pray a prayer and it goes away. And so I understand it, and I know how how debilitating it is. I mean, I was out of commission for four months, and I know that's not long for a lot of people who've been in that hole, but it was enough to let me know what we're up against and to give me a heart to share that message. And you know, Trevor, when I got through that season, it took maybe six or eight months for me to sort of get back uh, to being myself. And I'm a guy, and guys don't like to talk about their problems and their weaknesses and They don't like to be vulnerable, and I thought, you know what, I could just close that door and really only a handful of people know what I went through, and I'm good. And God said, no, I want you to go on tour with Chris Tomlin, and I want you to tell the story of you falling into depression in basketball arenas and hockey arenas all across America every single night because people need to see a guy standing up on the stage at a Christian event talking about the reality of depression. And I did, and I'm still talking about it and still writing about it because people need to hear that voice that uh, counters the voice that they're hearing saying, you're never going to make it through this. And I just want to say, well, I know what that feels like, but I made it by the grace of God. And I'm telling you, you're going to make it too.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Come on. And, Louie, that's something I know all too well Um I know growing up, I had some like now we know they were panic attacks before the age of 10, but then it all kind of ceased. And then around the age of 16, 17, I was traveling, promoting an event called Together uh, 2016 at the time, which was going to be the largest Jesus gathering in American history on the National Mall. And I remember getting to Birmingham. We were promoting at Church of the Highlands, and I just felt my heart start racing and pumping and pumping and pumping. And I was supposed to speak the next day at, I believe it was, it was either Truett McConnell or another Christian uh, college here in Georgia. And I started having a full-on panic attack. I'm walking around the outside of Chris Hodge's church trying to throw up in bushes. Like, you do crazy things when you're going through that. And I couldn't puke. I couldn't do anything. Obviously, the EMSs couldn't give me any medication or anything because I was underage, didn't have a guardian with me. So I'm just having full on panic. And that led into me canceling the event the next day and then completely just shutting down. I was a senior in high school at the time, and I didn't go to school for a week. I was in my bed. My parents had never gone through anything like that themselves. So they were like, what's up with him? Like, he has to be sick or something. But after a week with no symptoms of being sick, they're like, all right, like, something's up and I was able to get the help that I needed in that time. But you're a hundred percent correct. Like it's not like you could sit there and pray until you're bawling your eyes out and punching the ceiling. Or if you're, you're that tall, I'm not, but <laughs> just analogy, it's not going to go away that quick. So for me, it was Jesus therapy and medication and those things being able to work together. After about four years, I was able to stand back on a stage and it's not to share like, Oh, I was able to do it again. It's like, hmm i had to work through a nightmare it felt like and it sounds like you went through the exact same thing and that's why resources like don't give the enemy a seat at your table and winning the war on worry are able to be such an impactful tool for not only myself Hmm. but millions of people across the globe and louie like this stuff is impacting people like your story has impacted me drastically and how would you describe these resources that you have available, um, starting with winning the war on worry to someone who's in that season right now? Why is this the resource for them?
0: Well, I think obviously if you're in crisis, you you need help and oh, you don't wow. really need a book. Um, so that's a, and I know what you're asking, but if anybody's listening and you feel like you're in a crisis mode, you need help. And I I don't know what, you know, different streams think about different things, but I think there had been some thinking around the Christian community that if you were a believer, you know, you didn't need a doctor, but if you're in mental crisis, reach out to a doctor, reach out to a counselor, reach out to a mental health professional and to your pastor and to your community group and Put your hope in faith, but also know that the God of your faith has given gifts to doctors and counselors and mental health professionals to help you. It's all God, but He's using different instruments to help us make it through. But these resources, I think, are preemptive. So if you're kind of in the, I feel it coming and I have a tendency to worry or I see these seasons of anxiety, um, then pick up one of these resources, because what they do, Trevor, is they jolt us out of ourselves. And that's what anxiety does. It it causes us to be imprisoned inside our heads and inside our thoughts. And, and we don't let truth in. We don't let people in. And all of a sudden now we're an echo chamber of negativity and the lies that the enemy is feeding us. And he's feeding us lies constantly. But Jesus says we have the ability to take captive our thoughts and we can become the one who determines which thought gets to seat the seat at the table of our mind. So the books are helping us wake up, I think, and they're helping us snap out of it, if you will. And for me, like I grew up in a worrying household, so I've been around worry all my life, but I needed a voice to come in and and this don't give the enemy a seat at your table. I tell this story in the book and I let people read it. Um, but a friend of mine said those words to me in a text in a really challenging season, and they just pierced right through my heart and woke me up out of my pity party that I was having, where I was commiserating about all this negativity and one little shred of victory that I had in it, and my friend just cut through it all and said, Louie, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And it was if it was, it was if lightning went through my heart. So I think that's what these books are doing. They are practical. They're very, um, very easy to, to take hold of um, with practical advice. But I think the main thing the books are doing are causing us to get out of our head
1: and to get our eyes on Jesus and to open our ears to the truth. Come on. And those are nine words that will change your life. Like don't give the enemy a seat at your table and we're seeing it through you. And listening back to the messages today um, that you shared with your congregation, it's like when you hear something piercing like that and then you go share it to a football team and then it hits them and then you go back and share it to your staff at the church and it hits them and then able to share it to a congregation and now the world, what does it feel like in your mind now looking back at it like? Those nine words really irked me in the moment, but I was able to put those aside, and if I wouldn't have done that, this message wouldn't have impacted people. God used your friend in that way.
0: Yeah, and I'm grateful for him. I really am. And someone asked me when Don't Give the Enemy a Seat uh, came out, you know, who did you you write this book for? And I said— Me, (laughs) you know, not selfishly, but I wasn't thinking, oh, this person has a problem and they need, you know, some input. This is my story, and I those nine words still find their way into my life every single week uh, because the enemy is relentless. He doesn't go, "Oh, you wrote a book on on not giving me a seat at your table." I get it, so I'll just go to somebody else's table. No, he he is very brash and very bold. I mean, he came to Adam and Eve in paradise and challenged the God who had created them and breathed life into them. So he's going to keep coming through any angle he can into our world and he comes into my world on the regular but those words are powerful and it's not a little slogan and that's not what we're talking about today we're not talking about christian slogans we're talking about truth
1: so with you being a pastor and a leader when you were going through these dark seasons even before like you had this message do you feel as if you couldn't be open about these struggles at first because of your platform being a world-renowned faith leader being a pastor of a church was it hard it was, but
0: I had, you know, an in, I had the grace of God in the equation from the beginning. I, This all happened, let's say it happened on a Monday. I don't remember what day it was, and maybe two weeks had gone by, and I was really out of it. Um, but we had one of these little house church meetings coming up on a Thursday night at some friend's house. And my first thought was, I'm not going to go, obviously, because they can't see me like this. You know, I'm shaking and I'm losing my mind. So Shelly, you go and tell him I'm not feeling well. And then I thought, well, I'm their pastor and they need to see me. So I got in the car, Shelly drove, we pulled up to the house. There were maybe 28 of us there. And I walked in and I said, guys, I know, you know, that I've been struggling a little bit and I haven't been feeling good, but I wanted to come and let you see me. I am unraveling right now. Mentally, I've never experienced anything like this before, and I'm a mess I'm a wreck, guys, and I'm your pastor. And, you know, Trevor, I wasn't trying to be vulnerable. I wasn't trying to make a statement. I wasn't trying to do anything. I just was being honest. And I think by doing that, though, it it set me up for a road of going, you know what? I'm not going to try to hide this, and I'm not going to try to minimize it. This is a big deal, and I want people to go through it with me, and I need them. And it was so incredible. One of the guys that was there... I had gone to another church on Sunday because we weren't meeting on Sunday. And the message that Sunday was a passage out of Isaiah, and he brought that word to the group, and it was a word for me. And one of the other people said, I kind of had a feeling that you were going through something like this anxiety thing. And I found this message on the Internet by this other pastor who went through something similar. He gives me the link, and I go home, and I watch it, and the guy was going through exactly what I was going through. And I'd never heard of anybody go through what I was going through. And I just knew right away, I'm not the only person. There are two lies the enemy tells you in that pit. And they are, A, you're not going to ever make it out of this. You're never going to make it back. And B, you're the only person going through this and nobody else is in this. And I knew right away, lie number no, number one might be true, that I might not make it out. I wasn't sure yet. <laughs> But I knew, number two, that I wasn't the only person going through it because this other guy was talking about going through it. And so God, even that night at that house, brought light into my story that didn't fix anything right away. I still had three and a half months of of darkness coming. But at least it was a, you know, God can't help you unless you step into the light. and. People can't help you unless you step into the light. And so, yeah, it would have been easier for me to just close it all down and not let anybody in. But fortunately, God gave me the grace to take a step.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, during that dark season, you woke up in the middle of the night in a panic or couldn't sleep and some lyrics came into your head and it actually turned into a song. What song was that? Uh, Well, the song ended up being I Lift
0: My Hands, uh, which is a song that I wrote with Chris Tomlin and Jason Ingram, which got nominated for a Grammy of all things. So, you know, it's kind of the economy of God that and I didn't get the whole song the first night. I got five lines of this song and didn't have a structure and a chorus, but I had a truth and I needed a truth. I needed something to say to God because I told him that night, you know, I don't know if you're going to heal me, but I know you're a healer. I know you didn't heal me yesterday or the months of yesterdays before that. And I don't know if you're going to heal me tomorrow. I've been to 15 doctors and nothing has worked. So I don't know if you're going to heal me, but I do know that you're a healer. And so these lyrics came out. Be still my soul. There is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy is unfailing and his arms a refuge for the weak. That is all I had. But I sang that 10,000 times, and it became the counter to the cloud that was coming at two o'clock every morning to suffocate me again. I had something, and that something wasn't a little song. It was a wrecking ball called worship. Worship is a weapon that pierces the darkness, and it did it for me. And it wasn't instantaneous, but it led me back into the light. That's
1: so true. Wow. I did not know you were a Grammy-nominated pastor. I think that's a first for me, and we should have added that in the intro. So that's incredible. And as someone who's gotten out of that rut, is it something that you've had to overcome as of recently on a daily basis? Is this something that you have to work on and still work on to this day?
0: It is, and I, I call myself an anxiety overcomer because, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody else, but I got shattered in that season. And you don't get shattered into a million pieces and then just you know move on in life. I, I still have the the ramifications of that, and I still have anxiety. The difference is um, I know what it is, so I, I relate to you. I'm walking around the church, wanting to throw up in the bushes, um, and that will happen to me occasionally. But I know now: a, I'm not dying. I know that it's. It's anxiety and it's probably false a false alarm about something that's not even like I'm not dying. So I will just tell myself, I know you think you're dying, but you're not dying. So let's just take that off the table. And I'll start breathing. And you know, you oh my gosh, and why am I talking about breathing? Why aren't we talking about scripture? Scripture is about breathing. It's about breathing out the negative and breathing in the truth. It's about breathing out, I'm not going to make it, and breathing in, God is here right now, and God has promised me that I am going to make it, because He's going to make it. And I, right now, when I start getting anxious, I know what it is. I start breathing. I start locking eyes with Jesus. I start offloading whatever it is I'm stressful about to the one who actually can carry it. And in time, you make it through. Whereas before, I wouldn't have known what was happening. I wouldn't have known how to combat it. I wouldn't have known even how to breathe. And I would have ended up, you know, spiraling down into a moment of being incapacitated. And so when, when anxiety, it's there, but I would say I'm in Atlanta right now. I'd say the anxiety is probably in Macon. If you don't know where Macon is, (laughs) about, you know, 50 miles from here, maybe. And when it starts making the journey up towards Atlanta, I see it and I know it and I identify it and I start dealing with it long before it pulls into my garage and rolls straight into my world.
1: Man, that's incredible. that's incredible. I love the analogy there. It's in Macon. You're in Atlanta. That's a pretty decent drive. So hopefully you don't have any of those instances happening anytime soon. But Pastor Louie, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. I am greatly encouraged by your investment of time into... This interview, and just being willing to sit down and have a harder conversation about mental health because these are the conversations that I believe are going to help people overcome on a daily basis. And everyone that's listening, you can find all of the resources that we have mentioned above, including Winning the War on Worry, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, and At the Table with Jesus at passionresources.com and if you're struggling today and you need help as pastor Louie was talking about earlier you can dial 988 or text 988 at the crisis text line and then we have amazing resources in the description from heart support death to life beneath the skin the teen helpline all those amazing resources can be found below and we'll talk to you guys next week bye now